as a Wall Street's bets member for going on a year and a half, maybe two years, I have earned the right to bathe while we talk about the unveiling of the curtain and the invisible hand coming out. Cool. So you heard it here first, folks. Uh, we're going to be talking about the wonders of Wall Street this week. Uh, and Greg has chosen to discuss this from the bath. So, you know, don't try to do too much of your mental images, but, you know, just know that you're going to be addressed like a true, uh, a true wealthy person. Greg will be speaking from, from luxury. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Ian. Welcome back to Weeks When Podcasts Happen. We're going to be talking about the GameStop, Reddit, end of the world as we know it internet meme become real life that is this past week uh I, I have a title that will probably be the title of this episode i i'll be clever later i'm not clever now um but first we're gonna have folks introduce themselves we actually have a new person again because my show continues to be on vacation let's call it that um that sounded so dark marshall's just gonna be gone for a little bit she's coming back in the summer um, but yeah, the folks want to do uh, pronouns, names, uh, maybe like a fun fact or something you want the audience to know. This doesn't have to be an icebreaker, but yeah, go go for it. Whoever's first. I'll edit it to make it sound like you jumped in. Um, sure. Uh, my name is Vivia. I use she, her pronouns. I do political education work for an organizing nonprofit. God, what's a fun fact? Feels weird to have a fun fact be the opener to a podcast about the world ending. I think that's a solid fun fact. <laughs> Just that opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take it. I'm Gregory. Uh, for the efforts of this podcast, my pronouns will be his, hers, and theirs because I want all the monies. Uh, I am called. I am a fund coordinator, funding coordinator for Impact Fund based out of a place. Uh, my fun fact is I was on Wall Street bets before all of this happened. And as usual, um, I guess Greg could say as usual too, but my name's Ian, I use he, him pronouns. I'm here in Detroit, I'm unemployed. Um, and my fun fact is that I found out this week that though the government estimates I will make $6,000 this year, they've decided that it's too much to get Medicaid. So that's fun, and I will be writing them back to contest that decision. But welcome everybody to the episode. <laughs> we had a fun week of memes. We're gonna try to get through our usual sort of summary of what happened here with the stonks and uh, kind of just talk about, uh, yeah, kind of the implications, whether we should all be using the stock market for revolutionary change, spoiler alert, no. But first, I'm going to do this at the beginning of the episode so you folks who drop out, uh, early can still get this please like and review us we're up to 40 people following us on spotify that means that not everybody listens to every episode but we cherish everybody who listens to any of them so yeah share this get it out there things we don't make money it just feels good when the numbers go up when we share an episode and now uh <laughs> yeah basically this has been a wild week i did this summary based on a bunch of articles i'd read greg definitely has more expertise than i do please interrupt me and like add context or if I'm saying something wrong, adjust it. Or just if you have a cool anecdote about some of this, please throw that down. Cool anecdote. Uh, nothing said in this podcast is advice for or uh, recommendation for the buying or selling of a security. <laughs> that's, that's my side. 
we're starting off with the the funnest anecdotes. So yeah, basically uh, this week, y'all have heard bits and pieces of this, probably a lot of it. I'm gonna try to keep this brief so that we don't go all the way in. But essentially this week, uh, a group called uh, Wall Street Bets from Reddit broke through on an effort they'd been pursuing for a while to target GameStop stock in order to inflate its price uh, after they discovered that a massive quote unquote short position had been taken by some uh, large hedge funds on Wall Street. So just as background to short a stock based on the movie, uh, The Big Short means to bet against it. So basically uh, when you short a stock, you are borrowing a a stock from somebody with the promise that you will give it back to them at a set date. To make money, you immediately sell that stock, assuming in your mind that the stock will decrease in value so that when you buy the stock at like the end of the week, you'll be able to make a profit on the difference between the price you you sold it at and the price it is at at the end of the week. This is kind of a fun thing that people who don't do anything to contribute to society have come up with uh, in order to make money. But basically the GameStop uh, stock was heavily shorted by some very large hedge funds. GameStop being a in-person video game retailer, it wasn't doing particularly well since people can now download video games and were afraid to be in person. So not the best business model in the current age. We also hate GameStop because you'll buy a $50 video game from them and return it and they will buy it from you for $30. It is ironic that GameStop, long the enemy of nerds everywhere, has become the champion of our people in this moment of need. (laughs) But yeah, basically, uh, after noticing that a heavy short position had been taken by some hedge funds, a bunch of folks on Wall Street Bets basically started trying to buy up the stock to drive up the cost. Basically, because it was heavily shorted, a couple things had happened. It was in such high demand because people knew it was going to keep going down in value that some of the transaction fees that folks were charging on a new trade had gone up, making it less of a profit when folks shorted it over time. That's not a big problem since GameStop was going to keep going down in value. Folks could still make their money. The problem came when these Wall Street bets folks decided to start trying to raise it at all. That very quickly meant that that profit margin that some of these big hedge fund managers were operating on started to evaporate. And these contracts that they were signing were pretty short, only about a week or two weeks in some cases. So that led to a situation called the short squeeze. Again, a buzzword that some of us have started to become more familiar with this week. Basically, the idea of a short squeeze is that if there is a large short position on a stock and that stock starts to rise in value, the folks who have that short position have an incentive to start buying the stock in case it rises, it continues to rise, basically to offset their losses. So they're part of that rising value um, and they don't just lose money on the trade. It's a way to kind of like hedge against a potential big loss if you're making this sort of trade. But if it's a lot of people doing that at the same time, that only exacerbates the rise in the price of the stock. So a relatively small amount of money on one side pushing the stock to increase in value kind of triggered this wave of investment from all the folks who were trying to hedge against their loss of money on their short position. And this basically spirals the value of the stock upwards. Then it also got very popular. Uh, so a bunch of people, uh, it was people noted this in the media and then a bunch of people on the internet and from those media stories started throwing their money in as well. And so the stock rapidly escalated in value um, and basically led to a situation where some of these hedge funds risked losing a almost literally unlimited amount of money because they were going to have to pay back the stock. Uh, Since it was initially very cheap, many of these hedge funds had bought it, um, bought many, many shares. So if it increases 1,200%, suddenly they're risking a 1,200% loss 
on their initial investment, uh, which can be very substantial if you're dealing with billions of dollars. Am I missing anything from that first part or is that uh, so far a decent summary? I think that's a pretty decent summary. And I think the important part is that like the unlimited risk that hedge funds were very comfortable taking and very used to taking is like, I think more important than the actual like mechanics of, of how that risk manifested. They took unlimited risk, other people noticed and tried to capitalize on it and then everything fell apart. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, the, basically this was the perfect storm of a short squeeze situation. Like this thing happens sometimes, but this is the largest shorted stock I think in history. Like there was, there's some stuff that I was looking at online that was basically saying it's, it was like the largest shorted stock in the world at the time that this started. So a bunch of people had a lot of money on the line. And basically the end result of this or the, the medium result, we don't know where the end is quite yet, but is that some hedge funds began to lose billions of dollars very quickly. Um, in some cases over the course of just a week, as the stock rose in value, um, they were going to have to buy back shares by the end of the week. And they just saw their, uh, yeah, their earnings plummet. Um, and it was funny as shit. There are a lot of amazing memes. I recommend that everybody spend at least a little bit of time on the internet looking at them if you haven't already. It brought a little ray of light to a lot of bad news that's been happening. But then something kind of funny happened as all these folks were buying into the stock, raising its value. Some of the apps that they were using to do this, like a main one called Robinhood, that again, you've probably heard of, began shutting down the ability of people uh, to buy these stocks. People were restricted from buying more of the stock. Um, there are also some documented cases of people's shares being unilaterally sold by the app, in many cases at the lowest point in a, a couple of day span. And this, because they shut off the demand for the stock on some of these key apps where folks were buying it, this began to tank the stock and is a potentially an argument that they were trying to manipulate the market in order to make this stock go down and to stop this process from going on. And so it kind of brings up the question, why <laughs> did this happen? And there's, there's a couple of, of reasons. Uh, Robinhood has come out and said that the because uh, these shares were so volatile, the insurance that they had to pay to the intermediary that they were actually like, getting the uh, shares from to make completing the purchase through, was so high that they could no longer afford to like kind of upfront the money that they needed. Um, I think I'm using some of those terms correctly, but essentially it just became too expensive to continue a extremely high volatility, volatility trade uh, model for this period of time. That's the argument Robinhood is making. Um, the other thing that is also happening in the background here is that a lot of these apps like Robinhood uh, don't charge people money to make trades. They make their money from selling the, those trades to a hedge fund intermediary that then actually makes the trades on their behalf, sets the market, and both Robinhood, Robinhood gets a commission on the trade, and then the hedge fund makes a little bit of money by uh, basically offering a slightly fractionally different price than possibly could be um, offered. So they'll offer a slightly higher price than maybe the lowest market price. Um, and so when you realize that Robinhood and these other apps are actually, their customers aren't people, their customers are hedge funds, the idea that Robinhood might intervene in a market to protect hedge funds makes a lot more sense. It doesn't just seem sort of like them being shitty. It actually makes sense from their economic position. Right. And then just to add a little context, one of the, like the part, the hedge fund that took the short that triggered Wall Street bets uh, actions was bailed out by another hedge fund. Uh, like literally they gave them the money to be able to cover uh, their cost, and that hedge fund is one of the largest uh, customers of Robinhood. So there's like a very almost a very like direct line to you know the money lost in Robinhood. 
Yeah, the the, the name of that uh, like larger hedge fund that is one of Robinhood's key uh, clients is Citadel. Uh, so if you are looking around, you see Citadel hedge fund. That is actually uh, a key client of Robinhood app. It's sad that Robinhood is now a name that's going to be used in this context for at least the next couple of weeks. But yeah, basically that kind of, yeah, basically means that Robinhood may be intervening to protect hedge funds because that is part of their uh, their revenue stream and risking the hedge funds is much more dangerous to them than risking a loss in uh, users in the short term. What's also fun in all of this is that as uh, these sort of meme stocks have started to become more popular um, and folks have started to jump in, uh, stock exchanges like NASDAQ have begun to openly threaten to restrict trading on any stocks that were starting to get a strong following on social media. So monitoring social media platforms where people were talking about something and potentially restricting trading on that, essentially being like the pores are getting too involved in this. We can't have that stock trading anymore. They know about that one. Um, there are economic reasons they're bringing out about this. It's also not the best look for a system that did destroy the entire global economy a little over a decade ago to suddenly act very concerned about people investing in GameStop. And then the SEC has also made some noises about restricting trading around volatile stocks. They're also now investigating Robinhood and some of the other uh, apps involved. There's been rare moments of unity around some of this where both Republicans and Democrats have had a problem with this. Uh, the Democrats being like, well, we need to protect the little guy investing and Republicans being like free markets. I think that's what we believe in. And so rare moments of unity, I'm sure they will recoalesce around positions. Elizabeth Warren weirdly came out supporting the SEC's position I don't have to just take shots at her, but it was a weird, frustrating position to suddenly take publicly for no reason. Yeah, uh, folks that aren't me, what were your big takeaways so far from this? We have a whole list of questions we can dive into those, but do you have any just sort of off the bat things as this all played out? How are you processing it? Um, any highlights you wanna bring up that I didn't? I mean, the big highlight for me, I think you did bring this up, but the, the huge highlight for me was just watching rich people cry, just video clips of them on CNBC, just losing their shit um, has been, pretty fantastic. Um, I think like one of the things that has been happening is that that I've noticed is that everyone is like trying to figure out what happened. Everyone is learning about finance and learning about stocks and paying attention to these things. And to some degree, it feels like people are like very slightly starting to lose sight of the fact that this is all just capitalism at work. And like, I don't know, it's still just like no one gets rich, whether it's a Redditor or a hedge fund without the exploitation of someone else. And so one of the things that I've been trying to keep track of and that's been worrying me is the ways that people are forgetting about, you know, material realities and material conditions as they get swept up in financial discourse. Yeah, uh, my first takeaway was, yeah, like, I mean, it, it was funny just to see, like, again, or not again, but I, we were talking before we started recording and it was like, Wall Street Bets does this periodically that every few months honestly every day there's something that where like everybody's making jokes about but like this is every couple of months something like breaks through the the reddit sphere and goes into like the the material world and then you know then they're like oh should we do something about this and then they kind of let it go this time though it hurt it hurt rich people right so now it's a problem uh that needs to be addressed yeah, that was my first takeaway. I just thought it was hilarious how now there's so many stock experts and I'm seeing so many videos and people on my timeline are like, oh, nobody knows what they're doing. Or like every like everybody, you need to get in on this, not really understanding like what's happening. The social media scholars have been uh, my favorite part of this. Yeah, I think to, to maybe pivot from one of the, into one of the things y'all are saying there, just around like 
how good this feels is really interesting to me. And I, I've kind of been sitting on that with that because like, I don't really care about the stock market. Like I'm a good Marxist. I understand that it is imaginary value created by just sort of material, like marginal trading, but it feels really good to just like see somebody hurt them. Like, I don't know. I think that like, I was looking up the, the fines and stuff from like the financial crisis. This has cost hedge funds more than the federal government fined some of the largest banks during the financial crisis. The ones that destroyed our economy and destroyed millions of people's lives. Like this one stupid joke has hurt those folks more than like Obama chose to, you know, this won't solve anything. This doesn't make the world necessarily much of a better place. A bunch of people are probably going to get hurt when this bubble collapses and that sucks. I, it, it does just feel like so many people, it, yeah, it, it just felt good to see them bleed a little. Like, just like, yeah, like you were saying, like them crying, them like just being like, oh no, this isn't fair. The system's not working. It's like, it's not working ever. It's just like this one single time you suffered with one single consequence. And I think that there was like sort of a delirium in that for a lot of people. Yeah, where do you all see that coming from? Is, is it, am I, am I right? Or is there other things that you, you're kind of like drawn to within this? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm interested in, uh you said something about it like and i need to do more research before i say anything but honestly i don't see this being a loss for the average person right the the people like the wall street bets people they're like the the people who know what they're doing and the people that kind of just follow along and then there's like the people outside of the sphere who have now been caught up in the hype right once you get to those like people outside of the sphere I feel like there's a level of like personal responsibility because you you have to go you know either you have a app or you have an app or a stock account that you're using to hop into this you have to like go look this up like at some point there's a level of like personal responsibility what i am worried about is there are some of these funds that have people's like retirements invested in them but i don't know what the regulations around allowing those funds to invest in uh shorts is uh but I like people being like, oh, regular everyday people are gonna get caught holding the bag. Like you pick the bag up personally yourself. And I don't feel uh, sorry for it. Like all of my friends that called me, they called me actually when it was like, some of them called me when it was in the eighties, when GameStop was in the eighties. Some of them called me when it was in the 400s. And I'm like, don't touch it. <laughs> like this, this isn't for you. You don't, even if you can make money, like I knew you could, they were still, it's gonna keep going up in the eighties. But I'm like, you won't know when to, to cash out and that's the real problem yeah exactly that's exactly it um i think yeah like like i am genuinely worried about a lot of the people who get caught up in this not not even just because of their own knowledge and knowing when to get out but like who knows when their positions are going to get closed for them right like there are people who have agency in the stock market and there are people who don't um and a lot of people who don't have actual agency are getting fucked by like apps like robin hood Going back to the point about uh, it feeling good, I was talking to a friend about this and like, we haven't really seen incredibly rich people in any amount of suffering since like Enron. The fines that happened during the financial crisis were large, but like didn't ultimately do much. No one in finance was like so visual, like visually suffering in a way that they are now. And I think like my expectation was that or, or I think one of the reasons this feels good is because like, it doesn't seem possible for Enron to ever happen again, right? It doesn't seem possible for someone in finance or like, you know, a billionaire to suffer the kinds of consequences that will make them, you know, feel awful. And so 
I think this feels good because it never happens. But I think like it is easy to take that moment of feeling good and then like ride that into bad decision making or ride that into losing sight of like what is actual praxis. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting like evolution to like people's feelings, right? Like like Wall Street bets, they do stupid things and they'll tell you themselves that they're stupid all the time, right? Uh, and then it just so happened to hurt rich people. And they were like, oh, this is cool. And other people were like, oh, what's happening? Like, this is cool. Uh, and now we're coming to this point where there is like, oh, this is like, people are fighting back, but they're not hitting back at the right people, right? Uh, and then it's about, I will say like, in like a ironic twist, the people on Wall Street bets have now taken their, in like a Robin Hood-esque move, uh, they've taken some of their games and are now donating it to random charities like the Children's Hospital and other things like that. But there's like, I mean, you know, we're we're people, we're humans, and like we're we're complex people. So like, what turned into a joke is now doing some good. Though I don't know, like I don't really believe in charity uh, as a source for you know as the source for good. But it, it's a cool thing that's happening. Yeah. No, and I think that we should also note that there are hedge funds who've also made a ton of money off this as well. Um, I think like one of the largest, one of the largest hedge funds actually had a, a long position as well that made them like $4 billion amidst this, mm-hmm. which, which makes sense. Like this isn't like the, I think it's good to emphasize this isn't like the win. This is just a, any sort of pain on their end. It feels like some sort of win in a way that like yeah, all the all the intent, like, I, I don't want to, I've done a lot of this work, but all the like, kind of like matching t-shirt, let's intentionally get 10 people arrested outside of a bank type actions. Like the bankers have never really seemed to care much about that. Um, it felt good to actually force them into a situation where they had to feel something. <laughs> um, just as somebody who's been involved in a lot of organizing efforts and been very frustrated about sort of the limitations that kind of can exist there. Just, yeah, feeling that sort of breakthrough moment felt good. Yeah, I think uh, to to maybe step us forward a little bit, there's an interesting piece that I think it, it'll take an intentional political education, I think, and intentional work to like make this be the piece we pull out of this. But I think there's a really amazing, the whole system in microcosm right. moment that a lot of people could take out of this as far as like this kind of myth of the free market that was offered by Robinhood and some of these other apps. Like, look, you're free to engage just like everyone else and be part of this marketplace. Uh, this idea of democratizing capitalism, giving us all the ability to buy and sell stocks, um, running like kind of like pell-mell into the clear limitations that are set up for that project. Um, and just like, yeah, that the, the rules here are built to protect not like everybody's right to participate, but those with money and the power they hold over this system. And really just sort of this object lesson in like, this isn't a free market. Wall Street's not a free market. It's a market built by and for those who have capital. It's capitalism, not democraticism. Um, and so it's really, this is a, I think a potentially amazing lesson in this sort of like the invisible hand of the market is just a fist punching you in the face. If you get too close to the pile of money and just, yeah, I, that, that seems if we can pull that out and try to like spread that, I've seen some of that online. I think like, there's a lot of folks who are like, wow, this is a fucking lie. Sort of like that vibe around a lot of this. I don't know if there are strategies that would be most effective at that. I just think that there's a huge opportunity to kind of spread that message out of this like kind of lesson that a bunch of young people are going through together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's right. It is absolutely a huge moment for political education about capitalism because like you have people on the news saying like that the numbers are made up and that, you know, the $400 value doesn't actually reflect what GameStop is doing, right? Like 
the stock market is kind of being proven obviously fake in front of our eyes. Um, I think the work that's the work that's important for a lot of political educators to be doing now is to like help people kind of filter out a lot of the noise because there's like a lot of people saying a lot of things, right? Like I saw a tweet blow up and get like, you know, 10,000 retweets. That was all about how, you know, it, it was a very kind of like nondescript take on how what Robin Hood was doing was class warfare. And then it was like a thread that had some stuff that followed it. But the person who tweeted it was the guy who founded Twitch and sold it to Amazon and is a billionaire himself. Like, it's going to be important to help people pay attention to material realities and help people know who to actually listen to and like, what is actually valuable here and what are the actual lessons we can take away? Because there are a lot of people who are saying that the problem isn't that capitalism is hurting people. The problem is that capitalism isn't as accessible to everyone. There's like a, there's a deeper level of anti-capitalism that we kind of have to help people reach um, from this. Yeah, there's definitely like a weird vibe of like, well, now we're going to do this again. And it's like, no, you don't get this. This was our one. <laughs> like this is the, they let us through the door by accident. They're going to close lock, bolt and bar that door. And then we'll have to find another way. And if you're going to do something like this, but it'll be, it'll look different next time. But also we, there's just a bunch of other, like let's chase the feeling of like breaking up their power. Let's not chase the kind of like tactic of inflating a stock. Right. Because <laughs> uh, that's probably not going to happen this way again. Or so you think. I guess, yeah, it's like kind of like, well, the, the economy won't just collapse due to short-sightedness and stupidity on behalf of rich people, except it does every 10 years. Yeah, no, that part will absolutely keep happening. Um, that will just happen forever. Um, but the particular ways that people were kind of given access to stick it to hedge funds won't be accessible again, right? Like there might be another loophole that, that comes about or like another thing that the rich didn't really account for but it's it's never going to be the case again that like everyone will have this much easy access to be able to short squeeze hedge funds whether it's through like restriction of information or people have been talking about regulating social media like and like social media's ability to talk about finance like things will definitely change to make whatever happened this particular time harder and I think that that's a really important contrast to draw as well. Just like the fact that we just, like what we just said, that the economy essentially collapses every 10 to 15 years, a bunch of people lose their savings, their homes, their futures, and sometimes their lives. And that is like written off as like, damn it, we messed up again on behalf of the rich people, um, but without any real structural changes. Whereas like literally like six rich people uh, cried on TV and like felt bad for a day and we'll just continue with their lives after this, but suddenly all these rules are gonna change and we're talking about like the NASDAQ intervening in trading that they, like, you know, if they were talking about making sure that like Goldman Sachs couldn't do whatever it wants, like they just wouldn't talk about that regardless of how dangerous it was to millions of people. Um, and just the, the contrast there between like, yeah, the scale of damage that the rich can, can and consistently do engage in um, versus this scale of damage and then the response on each end is I think very striking. Yeah, I also want to point out uh, the NASDAQ and uh, the S&P and all these things are not like public goods. Like these are private companies that have their own like bottom lines, right? So like it isn't just like a thing that America provides, but like a, you know, a company that's trying to do is that it has its own investors and things to worry about. 
it's a really important point because I think it often gets treated as like a lot of things often get treated as if they just exist publicly because you don't know the things behind the scenes that that happen with them right like even the ways we talk about social media right um we talk about it as though it's a public space and then like when social media fucks up it like surprises everyone because like they forgot it was just a private company led by assholes right like so much we take for granted is is just private behind the scenes bullshit even credit scores right credits credit scores haven't existed in their current iteration all that long i think like their current iteration of the ways they work was 1989 and it was kind of made possible by the rise of like internet data um transfers and it's all run by private credit agencies and we treat it as like a public government provided service um so yeah that's that's a good point america's also the only one with credit scores but that's another podcast well and i think that that's a theme in that we're starting to see here at kind of the end of 2020 beginning of 2021 is the response to the rise of the far right by both liberals and uh conservatives does seem to be this kind of knee-jerk uh authoritarianism of uh basically like oh well we have to keep them from being involved in like public and this sort of like we need to limit their access like and this isn't just like them being the far right but just basically anybody who confronts the powerful there's a sort of this discourse of now like we need to limit their access to these things that before were taken as sort of more generally accessible and that looks like social media that looks like uh now like potentially finance and these aren't like your god-given rights in some ways though social media i think might be getting closer since it's one of the main ways we engage in public discourse but i think that it's it's an interesting sort of like pulling the mask off of some of these institutions where they're kind of all asserting themselves at once and sort of like stepping into this void to be like no things are a little bit unstable so a bunch of you just don't like we're not going to play nice with you anymore you're just out and that looks like the far right people who've gone too far and aren't useful to capital anymore the far left people who have always been a threat to capital who are no longer going to tolerate like i had a friend who got kicked off of social media for um a couple of days around the inauguration just because he was on a list of leftists uh and they were just taking people off of social media while they took the rightists off as well um and so yeah i think it's an interesting trend we're seeing of like these private institutions that have been feigning being a public institution now reasserting their private control over some of these public spaces. Yeah, and I think the like that's another big takeaway for people who do kind of political education work to be hoping people realize, right? Like it's not just that all of this is fake, but it's that all of this is is private and none of this is yours to begin with. Um, and none of this is something that you had any agency or vote or power over. Um, over to begin with right and then i think the further lesson to push on is like that these things can't remain private and ever become you know the people's which is like i think where a lot of my concern comes from about other people wanting more access to participate in the stock market or wanting these things better regulated right like i want to see more people actually crying for the end of the stock market because it's wholly a private bullshit enterprise to begin with and i think that that was like just as a small, even in the limitations of elect, elected officials, uh, a pretty clear difference between like a couple of different bands where there was sort of this like, this is why we need to regulate fi uh, finance capital. And then like Bernie came out and just said, yeah, it's a fraudulent system. Like, this is why this is not something that we should be endorsing, supporting and engaging with. And, you know, Bernie's got his own problems, but I think that that is like, 
pushing on one of those paths as opposed to the other, I think is a really important distinction for us to start drawing on the left between like this idea that you're going to like somehow put like bumper rails up around the most powerful wealthy people in human history versus recognizing you're gonna have to start undermining the source and perpetuation of that wealth and power. Yeah, I also think uh, an earlier point that was made that I want to explore a little bit more is just like the stock market, the stock price has literally nothing to do with uh, the val the actual value of the company, right? But like when the stock market was up and like everybody was getting tax cuts from Trump, like this was how we how we measured how well Americans were doing. But now that it's hurting the rich, everybody's like, oh no, that's wrong. Like we need to we need to correct it. This is is illegal this is collusion this is uh market manipulation though like jeff bezos became or jeff bezos and uh elon musk both like <laughs> duped it out for the richest man in the world based solely off of their stock prices yeah i think it's a it's actually a really good point you raise about how we are conditioned to treat the like the quality of the stock market reflecting how we're doing, right? Like we're conditioned to not pay attention to material realities, right? Like who cares if millions of people are like houseless in the winter or if hundreds of thousands of people are dying of COVID if the numbers go up. And that's like, that's like forced out of us. Well, and I think that like for many people, this is the most positive interaction they've ever had with the stock market. Like there's a lot of people who don't have any stock at all, even some sort of like little piddly 401k from a job they worked forever ago. Like there's some folks who just like, this was the best the stock market has ever been for them. And this idea that they've been told for years, it's been going great while they like, and uses this measure of the economy. And then the one time they like, sort of like actually invest and like make money off of it and kind of go like, oh, cool. Something good happened. They have the entire establishment turn around and be like, no, it was used wrong. You cheated. This is bad. You're a bad person. You're probably just a nerd. And then like say that that'll never happen again. Like it, it is a very stark reaction to like, the idea of like, we're all doing well when we're not actually doing well versus kind of a moment where a number of people, even just for this week, actually were doing better <laughs> by investing in this stock and then being told that they weren't because right. the media said they weren't or the hedge fund manager said they weren't. Yeah, there was, there was also a lot of language about like how <laughs> what you're doing is bad for everyone because if the stock market goes down or whatever, they would end up hurting everyone in the long run, even the people who are making money from GameStop. But there's like never really any kind of logic behind that or any kind of like follow-up of any kind of argument. Yeah, well, it just, it's like kind of like that, uh, it's the meme I keep seeing from It's Always Sunny where it's like, newsflash, asshole. <laughs> like the, the stock market hurts people all the time. <laughs> like it just kind of this like, yeah, no, what are you talking about? That like, you don't understand this, that like people can get seriously hurt by the stock market. It's like, yeah, you don't understand this. You're the ones who never get hurt by the stock market. <laughs> And there's, there's, a, it's interesting. There's a mixture of people who are like, yeah, I'm going to get rich. There's also some people who are just like treating this. Like I use the comparison of like donating to Bernie almost like, it's like, I don't expect them to get the money I got uh, donating to Bernie back. Uh, it was just me being like, this might end up hurting rich people. I'll give Bernie a hundred dollars. Sure. What the fuck? Uh, there's, it seems like a fair number of people who are just sort of like, yeah, I'm not getting this money back. Oh, cool. My hundred dollars turned into $200. I'm going to keep it in there. Cause I don't really treat that money as real anymore. It's just a fuck you to these folks. And I think that like, yeah, it's almost, I compared it to like human wave attacks against the economy where a bunch of people are going to lose their money and they acknowledge that. And they're just sort of like being like, yep, more people throw yourselves at it. We're going to take them down, which they're not going to, 
No, which is also amazing because that's exactly because at, at a certain point in this, uh, you know, first it started off with like Wall Street and like the, the then the government stepped in and now other private companies are stepping in like Google deleted all the negative reviews from Robinhood uh, and just some various other companies are stepping in. Right. But uh, is a part of that Reddit closed, not closed down, but the Wall Street, actually the Wall Street bets community went private so that nobody could see, like they're, they're trying to like limit their risk. And I think Discord even deleted their uh, server. But and like I'm on the, like I was already a member, so I see the on the other side. And that's exactly what people they, they need people to do is to stay bought into the stock. Uh, whereas like Robin Hood and I'm pretty sure like the, the powers that be were like, oh, if we take away your ability to buy, everybody's going to panic and sell so that they can keep as much as they want or as much as they made. But instead, it's, it's, it's become the opposite where people are holding because they think it's going to keep going up because that's what they tell you about the stock market. Most of these people think, oh, stocks always go up, right? Like it's rare that they go down. And because this has gone up so much, this is that you just hold on to it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I do like, I don't know, on the one hand, it's cool to do like whatever it takes to hurt rich people, right? Like hurting rich people is dope. But on the other hand, there's a sort of like short-sighted uh, using the master's tools kind of situation where like at the end of the day, regardless of what government investigations happen, I really doubt anything is going to happen to Robin Hood, right? Because like no one reads terms and conditions. And I'm sure their EULA had all sorts of bullshit protecting them. Um, and at the end of the day, nothing is really going to happen to these hedge funds, right? Like a lot of them are getting bailed out. A lot of them are losing a lot of money, but like it's not, it's not going to be as bad as Enron was for Enron executives. So uh, I've heard Ian mention it before. I don't think we've ever said it on a podcast, but like the whole idea of like, uh, these startups and like this whole venture capital model is like move fast and break things. And this is like a Robin Hood has continuously done this and it's usually almost always Wall Street bets. That's the one that breaks it. There was another case in which they, they allowed somebody to take like a 500k position with money that he didn't have in his account and he was able to cash out on that. Uh, I think he maybe took away like a 20 or 20 or 50 K out of that. But then Robin hood got stuck with the bill. Uh, but that was like a small or not small, but uh, that's more money than I have in my bank account. But that was a small consequence. Cause it was just between this, this one person and some other uh, actors on the app. Right. I think there will be something cause like Robin hood is able to have these things mess up. And like, it's a very insular community that knows about it and Robin Hood kind of fixes it on the back end and like, uh, you know, moves on. Uh, I think, I don't know if we'll see like an Enron level right. change or like any yeah. repercussions, but I think this will be like, oh, these apps are gonna be more regulated. Yeah, I think like, I mean, the way venture capital has kind of always worked is that companies that rely on venture capital never really lose or suffer, right? Like. Uber is not at all profitable and Lyft is not at all profitable. And they only like make money through venture capitalists throwing money at them. But like the reason they're able to like be so much cheaper than local taxi services and the reason they're able to kill taxi services is because they were like never interested in making money to begin with. But they, they 
sort of just feed off of venture capital forever. And the way that that all of this weird venture capital shit works is that it like it doesn't matter what the companies do because there's always infinite fake money to keep throwing at them um, to fix it. And so like I worry about the people who are staying bought in to stick it to either Robinhood or stick it to hedge funds and who like maybe needed to cash out earlier or maybe can't afford like like there are going to be some number of people who, who bought into GameStop and who are listening or who are trying to stay and just stick it to people and who are going to lose money that they can't afford to lose and so I worry about the ways that participating in the stock market is becoming encouraged as like a kind of praxis and not just like a one-off thing to watch rich people cry and see NBC and then move on with their lives. I think that's a really, I think that's a really good point. And I think that that's like, that hopefully is the takeaway that we can push folks towards, which is that, yeah, this, this was a complex and difficult thing, but uh, it wasn't perfect. It was super cool to watch some of these rich folks suffer. The idea that we're going to now all revolutionarily use the stock market is silly <laughs> and just sort of like, yeah, no, cool. We got one weird victory by having an unexpected tactic. Um, the goal here should be to find other ways that we can find weak points in the power of the rich and the powerful and target those and uh, do them in ways that like, I mean, like this, that often can minimize the personal risk for our folks on our side. Like this wasn't, well, like as much as I said, human wave attack, this wasn't people throwing themselves <laughs> at a actual building and getting hurt or killed. This was people, you know, throwing some money and some people's lives might get worse because of that, but it's, it's a different level of risk. And so I think in some ways it's cool to find a way in which we're not risking as much bodily harm um, and causing this scale of uh, frustration for rich people. But there are other ways, there are ways that might actually feed into our power more in a long-term way. I would argue there are a lot of ways that will feed into our power more <laughs> than investing in the stock market, certainly. Because yeah, the whole point of even like Robinhood initially is as with all finance capital, it's to claw back some of our money and put it back in circulation in the hands of the rich. It's to take as much of our money and put it back in their hands as possible. And yes, we have a right to take it back out at some point, but you know, they're telling us to keep it in that system and telling us to keep it over there. It's the whole point is to get the money back in the hands of rich people. And, you know, doing that in some sort of way where we make a few thousand dollars, that might be cool at certain points. Um, but in the long run, like most casinos, we're just going to lose money and it's never going to threaten their actual power over that system. Uh, we're getting close to the end here. I think I wanted to touch on this point uh, that I accidentally skipped over around some of the hand wringing around some of this, I think. Uh, I've run into a fair amount of this in my, uh, I would say, epic post stream this week. Um, but yeah, one of the big ones is I think there's this sort of tension around the Wall Street Bets Reddit thread. It seems like there's sort of this weird, um, almost like verbal tick or written tick that uh, folks have to bring into their writing around this where they uh, say like, yeah, so Wall Street uh, uh, bets, which is basically just a group of nerds who are like 4chan and hate other people and are just sort of like mean-spiritedly like smashing a very good thing that is the stock market. Um, it's just sort of like that, there are people like that in that space. There are also people like Greg in that space, as we know. <laughs> there are also people who are very consciously just being like, yeah, fuck rich people. The whole point of this is to just like throw like $50 at them to fuck with their lives. Um, and I think it's interesting the way in which a lot of movements uh, when they threaten rich people, 
the powerful try to find a segment of that population that they can target and label the whole movement with. I think we saw this with Bernie bros. Bernie bros very much existed. They then came to cover up a bunch of people who had very complex and different reasons for supporting Bernie Sanders. Um, and you see this with pretty much any radical project of any, of any stripe. Um, like, yeah, arguing for some reason that they're just shitty humans yeah. as opposed to having any sort of argument against what they're doing. Um, yeah, how'd you all engage with that complexity? Yeah, I mean, I noticed that also like with the, with the Discord banning the community, right? Like the reason was that uh, the community was engaging in, in hate speech or whatever and, and had to be banned. And like, on the one hand, I'm willing to believe that. I used to be a fortuner and I used to be a Redditor and I am like fully aware of and have, you know, in an ancient history participated in all sorts of wild and weird hate speech on those websites. But on the other hand, that's not a new rule that Discord put in last week. That rule against hate speech has existed forever. So like the reason it got banned isn't just that the hate speech happened, but it was that the hate speech happened and it was important that the Wall Street Bets Discord community existed. Like it became relevant and it became newsworthy and that, that it existed. Otherwise they would still just be fine and you know whatever hate speech was happening in that Discord would continue to happen, whatever. Right. There's like tons of Discord communities where all of that hate speech happens and it gets unenforced. So like paying attention to why this this racism or why this hate speech or why these bad people are being paid attention to in this way in particular right now still kind of matters because like the news or the powers that be or like blue check liberals or whatever didn't care about this racism when it was happening before the hedge funds were threatened. Um, and so on the one hand, it's it's there is a complexity there because like, like you are right that internet toxicity is disgusting and harmful and bad. But on the other hand, the only reason you're mentioning it is a way of like discrediting everyone involved in this space. And the only reason you're mentioning it is because the space is important. And like tomorrow you are going to just stop caring about hate speech and, and internet toxicity. And you're going to stop caring about like marginalized people's existence online because like that's not actually, it never has been important to you. Yeah, no, I echo a lot of that, like Reddit and the internet in general is a very like cis heteronormative space full of toxicity. Uh, the they call themselves uh i mean they they there's a lot of like dark things that go on in that subreddit uh but yeah there's also like like i said earlier there's like the people who like fully it's, it's a community right so there are people who like fully engage in the there are the assholes there are those who are uh larping being assholes and then there are just like random people who are like, oh, there are some people who know what they're talking about and like their community is, they, they get something out of the community, right? So like to paint them as if, yeah, it, it's really just an effort to like discredit this thing that we hate when like some of like, honestly, there are probably like some of these assholes who work at some of these head funds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think that like uh, two points there, I think one, um, I'm willing to bet that a lot of these hedge funds also have social messaging services with some pretty dark stuff going on in their comments. Um, and there's no talk of shutting those down due to the hate speech or like, you know, threatening their servers. It's very much that this group, like you're saying, is this is a targeted attack on the, the outcome more than it is on hate speech. And it's kind of liberals using the excuse of this rather than actually caring about it. Um, using liberals in a very broad sense there. 
And I think there's also just this tension of like, do you expect the people who threaten the current world to look like our perfect future for what we want all people to be? And I think that like, some people are going to be amazing as we try to change the world. Some people are going to be fine and some people are going to suck, but like a lot of different people are going to contribute to these projects. You know, this is, this is a small example. And like, this isn't a huge deal in the grand scheme of things like we've been emphasizing, but I just kind of, I, I get frustrated by a tendency to dismiss entire movements or events based on the fact that you found people who were shitty happen, like supporting them or like participating in them. We're just like, yeah, like fucked up people sometimes are like also invested in bur like burning down the system. That doesn't mean that they can't be like educated and changed into some a better version of themselves and supported in that process. But it also, and it also doesn't mean that like every single person in that space owns everything that they say. I just think, yeah, there's, there's a tension there with expecting us all to be the best humans as we're trying to make a better world that I think we should challenge as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, yeah. If people didn't have patience for me, you know, nearing a decade ago, I wouldn't have turned into a radical trans person and I would have like stayed shitty, right? Like, I guess this is kind of a, this is kind of a tangent, but a thing I've, I've talked about recently and a thing I've thought about is that like, I keep seeing this thing where like liberals are surprised that leftists often think that, you know, working class conservatives are better allies than liberals are or like are, are, you know, have a higher potential of like being someone worth building with. Um, but the reason is, is that like, regardless of the work that, you know, wealthier liberals are doing, that work is otherizing in some way, right? If they're doing any kind of like positive work, it's always on behalf of someone in a sort of charity model and otherizing the poors. Um, if they are working against conservatism, it's because they're otherizing the conservatives and they're the enemy. Right. And something that like all the leftists that I like realize is that, you know, we're all just human beings. And like if I had the exact same experiences as you and if I experienced love and joy and pain and hurt the same way that you did in your life, I could have ended up exactly like you. Right. And so it's not that we're sympathetic to racists and like are willing to overlook the harm that they do. It's that we understand that material conditions create people. And like had we experienced the exact same material conditions, we could have turned out the same way. And so leftists are a lot less interested in otherizing people the way that liberals are interested in otherizing. Um, and now they're otherizing people on Wall Street bets and they're otherizing people who are trying to make money on, on these things. Um, and it's, it's all a project of like undermining any kind of solidarity that could be built. It's wild the way that you see the different populations talk about these sorts of things too, of like, like you're saying leftists who are sort of like, yeah, I, I can see a way to work with some like, conservative folks in an easier way um, versus yeah left middle and upper class liberals who are unwilling to really question sort of like where their wealth comes from or like how it is sustained like they're like I went to the seminar and I learned how to be a good white liberal and it's just sort of like I I think we should inherently trust that less and I'm saying that as a a former liberal still a white person um, then we do having a material interest in overturning these systems. And I think that we can build on a material interest, uh, not just in a narrow class way, but a material interest in a very broad set uh, of ways, much more readily than we can intentions and much more readily than we can like a guilt complex um, in a way that I think a lot of liberals don't understand. There seems to be this idea that we could like somehow have everyone go to a seminar in their like mid twenties and that would make us all good people. 
um, which is very confusing and I just think kind of stupid <laughs> um, as a position. I might just have re repeated what you said. I'll listen to it and I'll delete it if it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally fine. Any feels on this, Greg? Should we move to wrap up? I think we're actually going to keep this under the impossibly long episode timeline that I often have. Wow. No, uh, no, I mean, I, I completely echo those sentiments, right? Uh, I think poor white people and poor black people have way more in common than white people in general. It, like, I know I have more in common with probably like some hillbilly in Kentucky than I do with Jay-Z, right? Uh, and it's all, yeah, it, there's so many attempts to otherize people uh, yeah, I, I didn't say anything because there's nothing I can't say that wasn't already said better. Cool. Well, I think maybe let's like move towards our conclusion. I think like maybe ending with just sort of a final like overall reflections on this, maybe framed around like, is the goal now to uh, use the stock market to do things? Or is there a broader goal we should be like reaching towards that you see uh, like for a left project uh, coming out of this this past week of zaniness around GameStop? <laughs> My goal was always just to use the stock market to do things. I don't know what you're talking about here. Um, but no, I mean, I think it's, uh, so one, this isn't over. Like, I'm not gonna tell people what else is coming, but they, Wall Street bets does not stop. Um, they have plans for other stocks uh, and other things that, it, there is an interesting thing going on where now because like they've been slapped by the invisible hand they're like all right well let's burn it all down uh and we're gonna expose all of the the weird things that wall street and the government does to maintain uh certain power structures so i think there's gonna be a lot of interesting things happening i don't know if It'll happen before uh, the rich people figure it out and try to, like, you know, put their controls in the way. Uh, I mean, I think the system is broken. Like, your money, to, if you have a dollar today, is going to be worth less than the dollar that it is in a year. And the stock market is just a tool, one of those tools. Like, the, the rich don't even really use the stock market to make money. You can't get rich off of the stock market. You can only make sure that your money isn't worthless. Uh, but I do think like finding ways, like basically like Robin Hood came out with the idea of democratizing stock investing. What that looked like is more like the democracy that we've seen these last couple of weeks where there was all these checks and balances that as soon as something happened uh, that the, the powers that be didn't like, they would step in the way what we've seen in these in this last week is what like a real democracy looks like when it's like people have taken an action and like made moves right uh so i think taking in that spirit of like where are like where are industries and you know just spheres of power that we before didn't have access to that now because of technology we can have concerted uh concentrated effort i think that's my biggest takeaway yeah i think like i mean i think it's fine to use the stock market to try and make some money right like systems exist and we still have to like pay our bills we still have to get medical care we still have to pay our rent um i'm not gonna fault anyone for like buying a house in a shitty housing market because like they still need somewhere to live um 
And I also think it's fine to like find ways to stick it to rich people occasionally. But I think like my big takeaway is like, if we actually want to change things, we have to remain rooted in anti-capitalism. We have to remain rooted in not just like using systems to, to stick it to certain individual people, but undoing the systems that are at fault for everything to begin with, right? Like, even if a bunch of hedge fund managers suffered and like had, you know, really miserable lives because of what happened with GameStop, they would just get replaced by other hedge fund managers if nothing else changes. Um, and so like my big takeaway is, is this was like a kind of cool moment and this is a useful moment to expose a lot of contradictions and like teach people about the ways that capitalism and the stock market are bullshit. And also if we wanna change things, it will have to be something bigger and something different than this. Yeah, yeah, I think that like this week was very much a demonstration of, in a, in a way, like a little tiny bit of democracy that I think that whenever democracy starts to get close to threatening rich people, it's denounced as tyranny and called like a non-democracy or it's otherized in some sort of like evil democracy when it's really just democracy that went against the interests of those who already had power before it started to expand a little bit. I think that's an interesting lesson that comes out of this. Um, and yeah, I think that the in some ways, like the rich should count themselves lucky that people were going after their stock options as opposed to something perhaps a little bit more in the material world based on everything that's happened. Um, yeah, you lost a billion dollars. You didn't like have your property burned in the street in front of you. Um, right. Like that might be a win for you given where the world is going. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think a, I think the lesson I would take out of this, I, I posted this on social media, so please excuse me for quoting myself, but is yeah, basically this idea that the, the lesson shouldn't be to use the stock market to hurt rich people as like our strategy going forward. It should be, God, that felt really good to actually like win and like have them suffer a little bit that we can build a better world past them and that that we should be really chasing that opening and that opportunity and that feeling of some small victory that actually meant something in even a small way more than just chasing this a repetition of a tactic or an attempt to make a few hundred dollars that is always going to be on a in a casino rigged against us um and yeah i think a return to a little bit of like actual classic robin hood of a group of people living in the woods and attacking rich people as they try to move between their castles might not be the worst shift for us to pursue as opposed to the app. And that's my clever ending for the episode. Um, do y'all have anything you wanna plug uh, before we go off? Thank you so much for, for hopping in here. Is there like any projects or things you wanna shout out or social media tags? I mean, if people wanna find me on Twitter, they can find me at, um, at KID underscore VIDH. Um, but other than that, nothing huge coming out. Um, I occasionally do some writing. You can find it on my Twitter when I do it. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm going to release a class on how to invest in the stock market because apparently not everybody has questions. Uh, so, you know, when that drops, I'll let you know. Uh, well, that's it. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll make a special, a special lesson on revolutionary investing. There you go. <laughs> How to get rich by Greg, only $15.99 a month. Cool. Well, yeah, thank you all for hopping on. Uh, we're gonna be back in the future with more with another one of our Star Wars episodes. 
Um, I think we've got some other stuff cooking, but yeah, this has been a good one. I am excited we kept it under two hours and uh, that we were able to get this recorded so fast. So talk to y'all soon and have a good night, day, whenever you listen to this. Bye.